Thank you so much. You can have a seat. Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Ephesians chapter number two. Ephesians chapter number two. It is such a privilege to be in this place. I was thinking just about uh, what God did in our midst on Sunday, the services, the people saved, the people baptized, the great music, uh, just so many things that we can be thankful for about this place and what a privilege we have to be a part of it and to jump in the middle of it. And so uh, I hope you don't take that for granted. I hope that you appreciate uh, being able to learn here and be able to grow. And I know I certainly I am uh, thankful to be here, and uh, I, I wanted to give a little bit of commercial before uh, we get into the message, because this Saturday is the Luau, okay, now, uh, this is very, very important, the Luau uh, was my first date with my wife, so, uh, so guys, let me just give you some edification here, some encouragement. You got to get with it, okay? So uh, the luau is right at the beginning of the uh, semester, and it's really our first dating activity. Don't worry, uh, you, we, we're not getting into buses this week, okay? And uh, we're not going to have any buses break down this week either, so it's just down the road. Uh, but we're going to be meeting at the Welcome Center, and uh, it is $2 a person. Now, uh, I know last year it was $1 a person. You can thank Biden for this, okay? So $2 a person uh, we are charging for this event. So please, guys, if you don't have a date yet, you need to get a date. And uh, even if you don't have a date, come and enjoy it. We're going to be doing some things at the Luau uh, this year that we've never done before. So you're going to want to come and be able to be a part of this, some experiences that we've never done before, some food that we've never done before. So uh, just come and let's have a good time together. That will start at 6 o'clock at the Welcome Center. We'll be collecting uh, the money to get in and then be able to enjoy the meal right after that. Now, I know the luau is a dating activity. I'm encouraging you guys to, to be able to uh, date and get a date for this. But maybe you're on the other side of the spectrum, and maybe you need some help with some Christian breakup lines, okay? Now, these are not uh, these are not original to me. It, it was stolen. I mean, it was borrowed from a Christian comedian, but I thought you guys would enjoy this this morning. Just by way of counsel for you guys, if, you know, there's a relationship that you just need to get out of. Uh, here's a breakup line. All things work together for good, but we ain't together and this ain't good. <laughs> in my Bible, you're the apocrypha, not included. You are a river in Egypt because you're in denial about this relationship. I feel like Paul, there's a constant thorn in the flesh and I'm pretty sure it's you. I was reading through the book of Numbers in my devotions and I realized that I hadn't blocked yours yet. Call me Peter because you're about to get denied three times. And then my favorite, last but not least, you are you a short-term mission trip? Because you're doing more harm than good. <laughs> now, we, uh, I also have a classic line that kind of launches into our message this morning. I don't have peace about it. Have you ever heard that one before? Now, unfortunately, peace 
in our Christian culture has been a little bit redefined. And so in Ephesians chapter number 2, we are going to uh, discover what real peace is this morning, starting in verse number 13. The Bible says in verse number 13, But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace." And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you, which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to gather together and to open up your word. Lord, we don't take this for granted this morning, and we beg of you that you would meet with us and that you would speak to our hearts and draw us closer to you. Lord, I pray that if, the, if there's anyone in this room who has not experienced the true, lasting, real peace that only you can give, I pray that you would please help us to be able to see the direction of that peace and to be able to go and follow you so that we can experience that in our lives. Lord, I pray that you'd please speak to us in a great way this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. When you follow the wrong leader, you are going to find the wrong destination. When you follow the wrong leader, you're going to find the wrong destination. I remember a few years ago as we were traveling in New York City and uh, we were visiting my in-laws for uh, Thanksgiving and decided to just drive into New York City for a day and to just see some of the sights. And I had never been to, or I had been to the Statue of Liberty when I was five years old, but I, I didn't remember any of it. And so uh, we were going to go and, and see the Statue of Liberty. And so uh, if you've ever been there, there's a bunch of parking garages right there uh, on the coast and you get there and uh, you park and you know pay $75 for parking for an hour or something it's just some exorbitant amount and uh, so you go and and uh, you start walking towards the piers and uh, towards the ferries and as we were walking we noticed that there were a lot of guys that were wearing these yellow vests that were talking about that uh, they had on the back tourism and and tourists and so uh, we were just walking through the street trying to get to where we were going and and one of those guys stopped us and said, are you uh, looking for the ferry to uh, the Statue of Liberty? And we said, yes. And so we started to talk to this guy and I kind of let my father-in-law take the lead because he was paying for it. So I was just kind of standing there and, and uh, he was talking to this guy and, and the guy was showing us the map and, you know, okay, we could get this ferry and go here and go this and go here and this was this much and all of this.
this. And finally, we decided on what route we were going to do. And so he's like, okay. And he, 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 he gets a walkie-talkie. And he speaks into the walkie-talkie. And he calls up this black 15-passenger van. Now, um, have you ever had a moment where you just start to realize maybe this isn't right? Um, now, uh, we got into the van as a family, not, another, not a good idea, um, and we started driving the opposite direction of the pier. Now, I'm sitting in the back there with my wife, my in-laws, and my sister-in-law, Bethany, is there. And we're all just kind of sitting in this van, just kind of going. And I see the UN building going by, and I'm like, this is not the right direction. And, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this moment before that you start to realize, this might not be good. Uh, I, I can see the headlines now, right? I can see uh, this is not going to be a good thing for us. We're going to end up in this warehouse somewhere and we're going to be kidnapped. And oh my goodness, I don't know what I'm going to do. And how am I going to protect my wife? And all of these thoughts running through my head. I pulled out my phone and was trying to use my GPS to figure out where we were going and what direction and uh, where we were going to end up. And I knew this was the wrong direction. And we were getting nervous. And even my sister-in-law, Bethany, who gets nervous at nothing got nervous uh, in that van thinking that we were going to be kidnapped. Thankfully, we got dumped off in some uh, very ugly pier and got on this very ugly uh, uh, boat and we got to see the Statue of Liberty. So it all worked out. Now, we didn't learn our lesson because when we came back from our little tour, uh, we, we got off the, the boat and we started to look for a ride to get to the World Trade Center. And this very, very sketchy limo pulls up, okay? And I mean, they are just packing people into this limo. And my father-in-law, again, I'm following his lead because uh, he's again paying for it. So I'm just kind of like, okay, well, here we go. And we all pile into this very, very sketchy limo that dumps us in the middle of downtown New York. Now, how many understand that uh, that story could probably have ended in the wrong way? Why? Because when you have the wrong leader... And you're in the wrong vehicle, there's a potential to end up in the wrong destination. Many people today are searching for peace. But peace is not the leader. Peace is a follower. When you follow peace... You're going to be looking in all of these different areas. And when we search for peace, we are going to end up in some of the wrong places. Why? Because we live in a world where people are following after all these definitions of peace and trying to get along and trying to uh, maybe have peace as part of their agenda. And all of these confusing philosophies and all of these confusing terms in our society. Today we live in a world that is in a free fall. It is desperate for peace and in a free fall grasping for whatever they think will bring them peace. I don't know about you, but have you ever been in a free fall before? A couple years ago, I was able to jump out of a perfectly good plane. And uh, they took about 500 pictures. And, and you just, 
you just can't find a good picture when, when you have wind blowing in your face, okay? And, and uh, I remember uh, go, getting on the plane and this little tiny plane and, and getting, going up into the air and, and I was watching the, the ground get smaller and I was thinking, uh, okay, I think this is about good. Like this, this, this looks about right. This is a good height. And then the pilot said, okay, we're halfway. So, okay, all right, here we go. And so we got up to the top, and, and uh, to, not to my knowledge, I had paid for the cheap package to just jump at 11,000 feet. Uh, they put us up to 18,000 feet uh, and pushed me out of the plane. <laughs> and I remember a minute and a half of free fall thinking, why did I decide to do this? This was not a good idea. I couldn't even breathe. It was, it was a minute of half of just free falling and wondering, when is this chute going to open? And finally, the chute opens, and I find out instead of 60 seconds of free fall that I paid for, I got a minute and a half of free fall uh, instead. So I got the deluxe package. You see, I did not have peace when I was uh, jumping. I did not have peace before the jump. I did not have peace during the jump. I certainly had peace when we finally got down to the ground. But God gives us a supernatural peace. When we feel like we're free falling, when we feel like there's something going wrong in our lives, God gives us a supernatural peace. But peace should not be the goal. But God can give supernatural peace during hardships. Peace is a follower, not a leader. What does peace follow? Well, Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave unto you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. So God has supernatural peace for us. It's not a leader, it's a follower. So what does peace follow? Very quickly, number one, three directions to peace. Peace follows reconciling with God. Peace follows reconciling with God. Look at verse number 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. We can be thankful this morning that there is one man who can solve the peace problem in the world, and his name is Jesus Christ. We can read the songs from Luke chapter 1, and as the song of Zechariah says, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Even the songs of the angels when Jesus was born, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I think about the prayer that Jesus prayed over Jerusalem in Luke chapter 19, how he longed to gather them to himself. He says, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from my, thine eyes. You see, we serve a Savior this morning who can give us a supernatural peace, and that peace comes from reconciling with God. Romans 5.1, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The word peace has been used throughout history for many different things. I think about the Pax Romana, this 200-year period in the Roman Empire proclaimed by Caesar Augustus. This was a period of prosperity and peace for the Romans, but not for other people. It was a false political 
peace. We think about even the Old Testament, the greeting shalom, meaning peace in Hebrew. And as, the, as we read through the Old Testament, we see these greetings and we see the Jewish people greeting each other with the word peace. We even read through the epistles and 11 times the phrase peace be unto you is either introducing or concluding a letter that we can read in the New Testament. You see there are many definitions of peace this morning but as I studied this word the, the main definition that I could find in all of the different dictionaries was that peace is the opposite of war. Peace is the opposite of conflict. Peace is something that we can experience only through Christ. Now, ironically, peace is often the result of war. How many of you understand that from history? Peace is often the result of a war. And yet Jesus has fought our war already. Jesus has given himself as the leader of this war. And Jesus has won the war already with sin and with Satan. We, he has conquered sin. He has conquered death. He has conquered Satan. And we are able to live in that amazing, supernatural, real peace that only Jesus can give. I'm going to give you a statement throughout this message over and over again that I hope you grasp. Peace is not an emotion. It is the result of action. Peace is not an emotion. It is a result of action. Reconciliation is God's action for us. ...to accept into our lives so that we can have peace. And when you are reconciled to God, your entire perspective changes. Your perspective of the past, your perspective of the future, your perspective of the present. Everything in your life changes when you have God's peace. Isaiah 9-7 gives us a perspective of the future in regards to reconciliation with God... ...of the increase of his government and peace. There shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment... And with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God has not called us to this melancholy Christian attitude that it's never been this bad before and it's only going to get worse. No, if you have the peace of God, you have a proper perspective of the future. When you're reconciled with God, there is no fear of the future. We know that Jesus is winning. We know that he will conquer the, the Antichrist and we know that he will conquer evil and Satan. We know who is going to be the winner, and that gives us peace. Peace follows reconciling with God. You might think, well, why are you spending so much time on this point? We're in Bible college. Oh, I, I'm not foolish enough to think that everyone in this room has been reconciled with God. I, I, I'm not foolish enough to think that every person who signs up for Bible college has experienced that true peace that only God can give. And where does it start? It starts with making sure that your future is settled. It starts with reconciling with God. And if you have not taken care of that, don't go another day in Bible college going through the routine. Make sure that you have this reconciliation taken care of. The first direction of peace Peace follows reconciling with God. Number two, peace follows reaching others. Peace follows 
reaching others. Look at verse number 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You see, once we are reconciled with God, now we have the opportunity to be fellow citizens, to be the saints, to be of the household, the family of God. We have the opportunity to reach forth now to others, Colossians 3.14, and above all things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. So Colossians is saying, where does this peace come from? What does this peace follow? It follows this reconciliation with God. And when we are reconciled with God, now we are able to reach to others. Now we are part of the body of Christ, the family of Christ. Ephesians 4, chapter or verse number 2, with all lowliness and meekness, with long-suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. John 20, verse 21, Jesus says, Peace be unto you as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Again, peace is not an emotion. It is the result of action. And reaching others with love is the action to bring peace. Peace is not a leader. Peace is a follower. Now, there's one exception to this in the word of God as I've studied this word peace. There's one exception to the Bible not having peace as a leader but as a follower. And it's in regards to showing others love. Hebrews chapter 12 verse number 14. Follow peace with all men. And holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. How many of you guys love it when you're sitting in Greek class and you learn this rule and then there's an exception? <laughs> so, so the Bible is very clear. We're not to follow peace in the sense that that is going to be our goal. That is going to be a self-centered peace. Now the Bible is saying there's a, we need to follow peace, not a self-centered peace, not a selfish peace, not this emotion in our hearts, but we need to follow peace with other people, with other Christians. Hey, Romans 14, 19 tells us, let us therefore follow after things which make for peace and things wherewith one may edify another. Second Timothy 2, 22, flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You see, God has called us to a life of peace. But be very careful, Christian, be very careful that when you demonstrate the love of Christ, that it's not for the wrong motives. Be very careful that when you're reaching out to others, that there are not selfish motives. I think the group of people that Jesus was the harshest on were the Pharisees, right? And yet in Matthew 23, verse number 5, Jesus says this to the Pharisees, But all their works they do for to be seen of men. Why are you reaching out to others? If you're doing it for a selfish, self-centered motive, if you're doing it to brag to someone else, you're not going to have peace. You're not going to be able to experience that supernatural peace that the Bible talks about. Make sure that you're reaching out to others in love, that you're not living a self-centered life and you're doing it with the right 
motives. It's very easy in Bible college to do things with the wrong motives, right? I just need to do this because it's on the syllabus. And I just need to do this because this is what the dorm soup expects of me. And this, I just need to do this because this is what the dean expect, expects of me. All of the wrong motives. Be very careful if you are following and reaching out to others in love just to fill out your focus report or just to bring attention to yourself or just for Dr. Getch or Dr. R to say, wow, look at that guy. That's a good guy. Then you will not experience the true peace that only God can give. I uh, think about my home right now. My home is not in peace, okay? I, uh, just about a year ago now, August 11th, my first son was born. His name is Silas, and many of you have met him on activities. He's going to be at the luau, and he's got his Hawaiian shirt already. He's very excited about it. But Silas, when he came home, met another member of our family. Her name is Penny. Penny is our dog. Penny was the child of the family for quite a few years. She was the center of attention. She was the only other uh, being living with us uh, for many, many years before we had Silas. And we were always wondering, how is Penny going to do with this, this new child coming into the family? And, and uh, I'm here to tell you this morning, she has not done well, okay? Penny uh, is very, very jealous. And what curiosity was in this picture as we brought Silas home a year ago uh, has turned into quite a lot of jealousy, okay? And uh, Penny does not get along with Silas. She's not mean to Silas, but she just doesn't have anything to do with them. And uh, they just kind of live their own separate lives. My home is not in peace right now. I have two people living in my home. Uh, I use people loosely. Two people living in my home who cannot get along with each other. I wonder how many times God looks down at his house and thinks, this is so silly. Why can't that guy get along with that guy? Why is there no peace in my house? God has called us to a life of peace with others. Romans 12, 18 is very clear. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. And Silas can be thankful this morning that it does not say dogs in this verse. So he's okay. But we have been called to live peaceably with all men if it be possible. I hope that your goal in ministry is to have a ministry of peace. So what does peace follow? Well, we have to be reconciled to God. We also need to be reaching out to others. But thirdly and lastly this morning, I see that peace follows realizing God's spirit. Realizing God's spirit. Look at the last verse of this chapter, verse 22. In whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit. You see, when you're reconciled to God, the Spirit comes and dwells inside of you. You are the habitation of God. 
You, God has come to dwell inside of you with his spirit. And he's there to lead you. He's there to direct you. Hebrews 13, verse number 20. Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, there, there, there's that reconciliation, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. That's realizing God's spirit. Now, peace is often contrasted in the Bible with carnality. Romans 8, 6. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 14, 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Galatians 5, 22. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, and peace. So the Bible is very clear that peace comes from the inner workings of the Holy Spirit. When we realize the Holy Spirit's working in our lives, we can understand peace. Have you ever heard someone say this phrase, though? I just mentioned it in our introduction. I don't have peace about it. Have you ever heard someone, maybe not even in a relationship terminology, but just, just using it as a phrase, I just don't have peace about it. Well, let me encourage you again. Peace is not an emotion. It is the result of action. Job didn't have peace about the trial that God set in his life. Moses didn't have peace about his calling at the burning bush. Gideon didn't have peace about going into battle. Jonah didn't have peace about preaching to Nineveh. The disciples didn't have peace about Jesus going to the cross. Paul didn't have peace when he kept begging God to remove this thorn in the flesh. Why do I tell you this? All of these examples in the Bible prove to us, don't trust your emotions, trust God's guidance. And where do we get God's guidance? It's not from inside. Everything inside is desperately wicked. It's from God's word. What is the action? Well, 2 Peter 3.14 tells us, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. We are called to be diligent. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I will pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Philippians 4, verse number 6, Be careful for nothing. Don't worry about anything, but in everything by, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace is a result of obedience. When did Job get peace? When he listened to God. When did Moses get peace? When he obeyed God. When did Gideon get peace? When he obeyed God. When did Jonah get peace? When he obeyed God. When did the disciples get peace? When they obeyed God. When did Paul have peace? When he realized that the purpose of his trial was to obey God. Peace is not a magical emotion that will guide you. Peace is a supernatural result of requests to God that will guard you. Go back to Philippians again. What does it say? And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding shall keep, shall keep. I looked up that word. It means guard. It means to guard us, to keep us safe. 
to bring us peace in the midst of trouble. We have to be very careful as Christians that just because I don't have peace about something, that may just be another way of saying I'm nervous. I'm worried. The Bible says be careful for nothing. We need to understand that peace is the result of obedience. Have you ever met someone who had tremendous peace in spite of difficult circumstances? Here at Lancaster Baptist Church, I've had the privilege, and I do mean privilege, to make hospital visits and to meet people who are lying literally on their deathbed. And I see them with such peace. I see them during a difficult circumstance experiencing the supernatural peace of God. I think of a few years ago when Jackson Stoner was in the hospital as a, as a little baby. He's in the kindergarten class now. This would have been five years ago. He was just born and he was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember visiting his parents down in the children's hospital down in L.A. many times, multiple times. And every time I visited them, oh yes, there, there were a lot of hard decisions to make. And there were a lot of trials that they were going through. But they had peace. I think about visiting Jonathan Tanner. I think about the year that he suffered in the hospital. Being diagnosed with cancer. And I remember all the times that I went down to L.A. to visit him. All the different hospitals that they sent him to. I remember looking into his eyes and seeing peace. I remember seeing peace in his wife, now his widow. She still demonstrates peace every single day on this campus. I think of the Azores family just a few years ago. Dear members of our church, their daughter was in a horrible car accident, didn't know if she would survive. When I was able to visit them in the children's hospital, and I saw their daughter hooked up to every type of machine and covered in casts. I saw peace in their eyes. Why is it that those people were able to experience peace, the true peace of God? Well, they realized that peace isn't an emotion. It's the result of action. It's the result of trusting God. It's the result of being reconciled to God. It's the result of reaching out to others and living and showing love to others. And it's the result of realizing God's spirit. Matthew 5, 9, Jesus says in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God.